What's up everybody, GenX Divnet Investor here. In this crazy video I'm going to tell you how my dad missed out on owning over 9 million dollars of Apple stock in hopes that you never make a similar mistake. So if you appreciate videos like this then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet and click that bell notification. Apple, one of the most valuable and recognizable brands in the world. My entire family has iPhones, plus we have Apple Music and Apple Storage, and we have multiple Macs. Apple is currently the largest position in my 27 stock dividend portfolio. I have 1,738 shares of Apple, worth around 280 grand. My love for Apple started when I was a kid, and my favorite relative had an Apple II computer, and he let me play games on it. The first computer I ever owned was actually a Commodore 64, but I eventually got an Apple in middle school. I spent hours upon hours gaming and programming on it. I used to piss off my dad because he'd hear me clacking away on my computer and he'd complain that I was wasting my time. In fact, I'd annoy my whole family because I'd tie up our only phone line using my modem as I tried to hack into various servers around the world just to see if I could or because I was downloading games. I was a naughty kitten. But it was because of my love of Apple computers and programming that I ended up graduating from Carnegie Mellon with a degree in computer science. My first job out of college when I was 21 was as a programmer at a small company. One coworker I liked told me I should start investing, and various programmers I went to lunch with loved to talk about investing and their portfolios. So I started investing, but I didn't invest in Apple directly, but did go with Microsoft, probably because my coworkers talked about it the most. Those days your research was done by word of mouth or by talking to professionals or from the newspaper or the library. Unfortunately, my love affair with Apple had waned in college. I wasn't a fan of the Mac because it was so closed off compared to PCs, and I was forced to use Macs in my freshman programming class, and I thought they were computers for people who didn't know how to use computers. Basically, their user-friendly nature seemed overly restrictive to me. It's kind of like how the iPhone now is more closed off than an Android phone, which is ironically something I came to appreciate about Apple's design the older I got. Anyways, Apple had been a pretty crappy stock for a long time. In the 80s it was at a split adjusted price of around 49 cents, and in 2003 it was down to a split adjusted price of 24 cents. Imagine owning a stock for almost 20 years and it being down over 50%. Which brings me to my dad. He had told me multiple times that the stock market was like gambling, and that he felt it was just way too stressful for him. So, since he wasn't a fan of stocks, I didn't tell him when I started investing in the markets, even though indirectly it was my dad that enabled my passion for dividends. What I mean is that my dad always said that saving money was important, and he took me to our local Wells Fargo when I was 7 or so to open up a checking account for me. And that's when he taught me about the magic of interest, and how if you put your money into a bank, they would pay you money. That concept literally blew my mind as a kid. I remember saying, you mean they pay you money and you don't have to do anything for it? Amazing. Now, I was the kid who mowed lawns for money. I never really had an allowance. I remember blasting my neon yellow Sony Walkman in my headset as I mowed lawns, telling myself that once I had a real job, I'd never mow a lawn again and that I'd pay someone to do it for me. For you people who don't know what a Walkman is, think of it as an iPod Nano MP3 player. Oh wait. For you people that don't know what an iPod Nano is, just think of it as a smaller iPhone that only plays music. Okay, so when I later learned that dividends were basically like a bank's savings account interest, only better, I fell in love. Anyways, my dad has always been super private about his finances, and to this day he won't talk about the specifics of his money. 
He's always complained a lot about his finances whenever he had to spend money, probably because I pestered him too much asking for toys and crap. But the fact that he was always stressed out about finances is probably part of the reason why I set a goal to retire in my 40s when I was just 21. I didn't want a future where I was old and still worried about money. Thus I was pretty excited when I finally achieved my fire goal a couple years ago because of my dividends. As the years went on I've talked a bit more to my dad about stocks and specifically about my dividend strategy. Even though I've explained the concepts multiple times, he still has a hard time grasping how dividends work. I've offered to help him learn about stocks, but he's not interested. Why? Well, this is the story. We were recently chatting on our iPhones and he was talking about how amazing he thought his Apple iPhone was. And that's when he opened up and told me that he actually had invested $10,000 into Apple stock in the mid-90s. For reference, $10,000 back then is like $18,000 now, when accounting for inflation. It was the first and apparently only time he ever invested in the stock market. He went with Apple because he saw how addicted I was using my computer, and he figured computers would get even more popular in time. Now he couldn't remember the exact date he got in, but he guessed it was around 1995 or 1996. If you look at SplitHistory.com, you can see that Apple split 2 for 1 in 2000, another 2 for 1 in 2005, 7 for 1 in 2014, and 4 for 1 in 2020. What that means is that each share that he bought in the 90s would have turned into 112 shares now. And it means Apple was around $21.28 split adjusted when he bought it, which means he was able to buy 470 shares back then with his 10 grand. Then for the next year, Apple traded down. By 1997, it was down to the equivalent of $13 before all the splits happened, i.e. about 12 cents at the time, so his $10,000 investment was only worth around 6 grand. And that's why he was so stressed. Here he is in his first foray into the markets, and he was down 40% in a year. The whole thing was understandably too stressful for him and he sold out. Now had he held on to his Apple shares until now, those 470 shares would have turned into over 52,000 shares, which would now be worth almost $9 million. Imagine that. Even with Apple's incredibly low current yield, had he just held on to the shares until now, they could be giving him around $46,000 a year of dividends, even though they didn't have a dividend when he bought it. 46k a year is more than he spends on his annual expenses. But unfortunately no, to this day my dad owns zero stocks. He never put any money into a 401k so he doesn't own any ETFs or mutual funds. Sad Panda. Now before we talk about some lessons you can learn from him, let's look at why I was too much of an idiot to buy into Apple sooner than I did. So until the iPhone came out, Apple products no longer excited me. I mean, their iPod that came out in 2001 was neat and all, and it was a product made under the direct supervision of Steve Jobs. In fact, it's rumored that Jobs is said to have dropped a prototype iPod into a fish tank in front of his engineers to show them that bubbles came from the little device underwater, which meant that there was empty space in it, and he wanted them to make it even more compact and small. Fun fact, it was named iPod because it reminded them of the pod-shaped bay doors from the spaceship in the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. But beyond their iPod, nothing else they produced seemed very exciting to me, until their iPhone came out right around the time of the big financial crash in 0708. A crash that rattled us investors because it was the first time I heard people talking about worldwide recessions and even depressions. Lots of fear was out there with people saying that it could get so bad that you might not be able to withdraw cash from your checking account. 
I knew someone who lost their house in foreclosure, and to this day, almost 15 years later, they're still renting, though they want to buy again at some point. That was a time in my life where I was crazy busy at work, and I didn't give Apple stock its due as it started to run. A few years went by and I almost started a position in 2013 after it fell by over a third, but I made the mistake of waiting for it to drop even more. Big mistake. Huge. I remember I used to have conversations with a professional stock buddy of mine, we kept asking each other how could Apple keep running. Like when it hit $100 in 2014, which is equivalent to $25 now since they did a 4 for 1 split recently, I remember being on my iPhone with that friend and we both felt it was still too expensive and neither of us could bring ourselves to jump in. So I kept sitting on the sidelines like a noob watching it run up. In September of 2018, Apple was at $224 a share, which is $56 now. I still couldn't bring myself to invest what I calculated was too expensive, but I said I'd get in on the next big dip. Then negative news started coming out about Apple. They missed some earnings and that spooked people to sell. Plus, Apple management came out and said that they were no longer going to release iPhone unit sales numbers during their quarterly earnings reports, breaking from what they had been doing all along. And since we believed iPhone sales were declining, it was a huge red flag, and so the stock sell-off got worse. And around that point in time, the trade war with China started getting bad, and that further pushed Apple stock down. The more Apple stock fell, the more negative news came out about it, influencing the paper hands to sell. People were saying that the best of Apple's days were behind it, and they weren't innovating anymore. That being said, Apple was innovating their M1 processing chip, and they were releasing improvements in their flagship smartphone. Speaking of innovation, I bet Apple will come out with cool augmented reality and virtual reality stuff, and I think that they could once again go into another gear when and if the Apple car comes out. Regardless, all that fear and doubt pushed down the stock even more. In three months, Apple fell from $224 a share down to $148 a share, which is equivalent to $37 now. Think about that. Apple dropped over 33% in about three months. Yeah, Apple. I finally decided to correct my sins of the past, so I sold out of some other stocks I had, and between that and some cash on the side, I finally established my Apple position at $39 a share, adjusted to today's splits, and I dropped around 65 grand into it. Now I'm sure where you're sitting you're saying that must have been the easiest buy of my life. You'd be wrong. When all you hear is negative news and you see a stock falling like a rock, it's easy to second guess yourself. I mean, what if Apple was past its prime? What if the iPhone was losing out to all these new Chinese smartphones? What if Jobs was the magic at Apple and without him they wouldn't grow as much? Beyond all that negative reinforcement I tend not to sit in a lot of cash, so I had to feel bullish enough to sell something I already had in order to get into Apple. Thus it honestly was one of my harder buys even though I loved Apple. But I did it even though I never expected Apple to run up as fast as it did. In around 3 years I'm up over 320% in Apple. Insanity. So let's talk about what we can learn from my dad's experience and my experience, starting with my dad. Now the reality that my dad faced at the time he bought was that he didn't have easy access to information like we do these days. I mean he basically got an apple on a hunch, which is rarely a smart thing to do without actually researching, thus that's the first lesson. You've got to do more than just think something is good. Spend some time researching the company. Understand its financial trends. Are they growing their sales aka revenue aka top line? Are their net earnings growing, aka net profits, aka bottom line? What about their cash flow trends or their debt trends? What sort of market are they in? How long have they been relevant? What are their competitors doing? 
how much of their dividend is covered and how is it growing, etc., etc. Research, don't just press buy. The next lesson you should take away from my dad's experience is you don't want to stress about daily stock movements. If you calculate a stock is a good buy at $100 a share, then you should get really excited if it falls to $50 a share so you can buy more. But don't be stressed and don't obsess about it. And if your core thesis for why you invested in the first place changed, then it's worth reevaluating things. But remember the market often swings in the short term based on emotion and whatever's happening in the world right now, but in the long run a stock moves based on its earnings. Like right now we have the terrible world news of the Ukraine getting invaded. So lots of stocks are going all over the place. Here's a chart I found showing various geopolitical events and how the stock market has reacted. Like when North Korea invaded South Korea in 1950. The SP500 fell 5.4% in one day and it fell around 13% from its peak. Then it hit its bottom in 23 days and it took 307 days to recover. Or Iraq's invasion of Kuwait in 1990. The SP500 fell 1.1% in one day and 16.9% from its peak over the course of 71 days. It took 189 days to recover. So you never can accurately predict what some event, like this Ukraine invasion, will do in the markets. Some geopolitical events can impact regional or global trade. Supply chains can become more costly and impacted more or less, which can cause cascading issues. Money can suddenly flow into new things or out of things due to the geopolitical event. Inflation can be impacted, currencies, even a government's fiscal health. And of course investor sentiment can change. But before I freak out about something, I like to ask myself simple questions like, Long term will the event in question mean that less people will be using energy from Southern Company? Probably not. Does it mean that a materially less amount of toilet paper will be consumed around the world for the next decade to the point that Kimberly Clark's earnings will go down the toilet? Maybe, but probably not. A key lesson about this Ukraine event that's happening right now and really any event is that while you might think the stock market will react in a certain way, the relationship between geopolitical events and market outcomes might be more complex than you realize. My point is that investors in the stock market overreact on news, which is why you can see stock prices fluctuating more than makes sense. So no need to stare at your stock's daily price movements and freak out. No need to sell everything because Russia invades the Ukraine. Of course anything is possible and it could be the start of World War III, but if it really was the start of World War III then I probably wouldn't be thinking too much about my stocks. Anyways, another lesson is if you can buy when a stock is on sale, i.e. with a good margin of safety under its intrinsic value, then who cares about daily stock prices? What matters are your company's long-term earning trends. Now with really good companies I've sometimes made the mistake of waiting too long to get in. Like even right now I think Apple is overpriced, but I'm honestly fine doing small dollar cost averaging into my kids custodial accounts. A problem to recognize is that when a stock is in a bubble, things might look attractive at any price. You'll hear people say, it's not cheap but I think it will keep going up. That should be a warning sign for you. I sometimes say that, heck I kinda just did about Apple. So sure, I recognize that it's best to buy when things dip and are cheap, but I also get some peace of mind just DCAing into great companies without worrying too much about current prices, as I'm fine giving up some potential return given the trade-off of less mindshare. I don't do that with large amounts of cash I have to invest, but I am fine with a few bucks here and there. The crazy thing with Apple is that they have such amazing financials and have such stellar talent that they could realistically keep growing even at their inflated price. See, I did it again. Apple is one of those companies, like Microsoft and Google and Amazon, that you really gotta have good reasons not to own them in your portfolio at some point. 
Just realize that stocks can remain overpriced or underpriced for years, but eventually price follows earnings. So buy cheap and then don't fret when people overreact and push the stock price somewhere. Which ties into another lesson, which is don't be controlled by your emotions. My dad sold out of Apple because of fear. He couldn't stomach the stock not going up quickly. He couldn't stomach seeing his $10,000 fall. Of course, he wasn't very convicted when he did the buy to begin with, so it's not surprising. Plus, I'm guessing that had Apple gone up 10%, he would have sold anyways. He didn't have the mindset to buy and hold, which is a lesson in itself. Note that doesn't mean you never sell, and I did a video called When to Sell a Stock if you want to hear my take on it. Okay, another lesson is don't sit on the sidelines too long once you realize a company is sitting on a gold mine. Like, I realized that the iPhone was awesome, and after seeing their financial trends, I should have acted quickly. But I didn't. Another lesson is that everything eventually has big pullbacks, even good stuff like Apple. Yes, it can run for a long time, but eventually there are corrections. What really matters is buying under its intrinsic value. So this isn't about timing the market as much as buying with a margin of safety. Thus, the lesson is about being patient and buying intelligently. However, too much patience might also be a case of you miscalculating things, or perhaps of your own analysis paralysis. Okay, another lesson we can learn from my dad is don't put all your investments into one stock. If you're not sure how many stocks you should have in your dividend portfolio, then I recommend you watch my video called How Many Stocks Should You Own? Generally speaking, you want to build up a diverse portfolio of stocks, or you can just go with an inexpensive broad market ETF like VTI or VU, or you can do both. But don't put all your eggs in one stock's basket. Sure, you can call it right and you can make out big, but in my experience, a strategy which works out more often is making lots of little bets on multiple stocks rather than one big bet on one stock. Aim for hitting singles instead of home runs. Doing that will still probably get you a home run now and then, kind of like I have with Apple, and the investors that only focus on home runs often just keep striking out. Okay, another lesson I take away from all this is that dividend investing is less stressful than investing in stocks that don't have dividends. I mean, if in order to make cash you have to buy low and sell high, then things can become more stressful for you if prices drop. Us buy and hold dividend investors keep getting our cash flow regardless of stock price, so we often can feel less stress. I see more examples of freakout from non-dividend investors when there are market pullbacks, probably because they are worrying that they might have to sell at lower prices than they hoped if they need some cash flow or if they panic out of their position. That's not always the case, as you can have diamond hand buy and hold non-dividend stock investors, it just doesn't seem to be as common. Dividend investors are like the tortoise, not the hare. We just mosey along, moving slowly but surely. Our dividend portfolio just keeps growing happily. Speaking of portfolios, M1 Brokerage has a promotion running for a free $50 cash bonus for new users. The way it works is you click on my M1 referral link in the description of this video and then either open a brokerage account and fund it with $100 or open a retirement account and fund it with $500. Then you need to keep your money inside the new account for 30 days from the date of deposit to get the free referral cash. Make sure to check the details before you sign up to see what they're offering when you watch this video. Okay, now I'd like to shout out my latest Patreon aristocrats who have signed up since my last video. So thank you Cali St. Louis fan and thank you Draconian Star. Aristocrats gain access to my dividend spreadsheet product that I use in some of my videos, and they gain access to multiple private channels in my free dividend Discord chat server, where I let my upper tier Patreons watch my videos before I release them to the public, as well as let them vote on which thumbnails I use for my videos, and of course they get more direct access to me. And if you made it this far in the video, then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Finally, I highly recommend that you join my free dividend Discord chat server, which has thousands of dividend investors on it and is growing all the time. 
So thanks for watching this video. Stay positive and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.